Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian, with my co-host, Ben Brandell, and today we're going to be discussing shelters. You know, it is fresh on our minds. We have been out teaching shelter programs this week. Um, we think it's a very important skill to have, and, and maybe even not the skill, but at least the understanding of, of what shelter is, the shelters that you use and, and put to use every single day. Uh, but before we go through that, you know, today is Thanksgiving, so happy Thanksgiving to everyone listening. Um, if, if this is after Thanksgiving when you're listening to this, hopefully you you had a good time and you're uh, digesting all that food and, and looking forward to Christmas. Um, but you know, something that we are just overly thankful for, and, and we discuss it in private, and we definitely discuss it here on the podcast, is the people that support us, the people that listen. Um, there's there's people that, that give money to us to help us keep doing this. Um, and we're just so thankful that people would take their resources, their time, and their energy um, and even put any of that towards towards Meant to Be Outdoors. So if you do want to support us, you know, we have a Patreon account. And basically what that is is you you can support us financially. You, you can give us $5 a month, $10 a month, or or commit $25 a month. We'll even send you a hat if you go for that set, go for that upper one and you can support a, our uh, sport, a Meant to Be Outdoors cap. And those of you that are supporting us, thank you so much. And those of you who are considering it, just know that it would mean the world to, to us and our families and, and even all of our other listeners because they get to continue hearing um, what we have to share. And hopefully it's been helping and inspiring some people. Uh, but also, whatever platform you're listening on, you know, hit the automatic download so you're getting that, that episode every time that it comes out. Also, leave us a review. We'd love to know how we're doing. Whatever uh, social media platform that you like to use, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, maybe you're somebody that likes all of them, give us a follow on there. We share what we're doing at our programs, what we're doing throughout the year, plus what's coming up on the podcast, and it's it's a great way for you to stay up to, ba- up to date with all things meant to be outdoors. You know, listening today, if, if you have a little bit of time today and you want to share with us some things that you want to know about, we would love that. You know, we've met some people that's been listening. They're like, you know what? Some of the content you guys are sharing, it's not my favorite. It's not really my passion. I don't go live that life, but I've still been listening and I've been learning a lot. That's why we're reaching out to you. If you're listening to this and and you have some content, ideas, thoughts, questions, please reach out to us right now. Take some time, get on Facebook, reach out to us, um, tell us how you think we're doing and share with us what what you'd like to hear. What's something that you would like for us to dig into to talk more about? Yeah, and of course, a really simple way is to to tell a friend. If you do like what we're doing, just tell a friend about the podcast. Have Please them pull help, it up yeah. on their phone. Have it, you know, Boom. the easiest thing is to have their phone out, pull it up, and uh, so next time they want to kill some time or need something to listen to, it, it's right there. They can see it and maybe give it a try. We'd appreciate that. And we're on any platform. Two that people hear about the most is iTunes and Spotify. So mm-hmm. get on Spotify, type in meant to be outdoors, boom, right there. It's going to pop up for people to download. Absolutely. Yeah. So hope, hopefully you've had a good Thanksgiving. Know that we're thankful for all the different ways that people are supporting us. Um, and again, yeah, help us grow and share any way that you can. With that being said, 
let's talk shelters. We have been out with homeschool groups this week. Homeschool, we'll call a co-op. It's where a lot of families bring their kids together, so it basically creates this big classroom setting, but the, the classroom is the outdoors, and it what is. better classroom is that? So we're thankful um, to be brought into that. It's actually Firefly Nature School, which is, uh, you know, Laura creates curriculum for these homeschool students, homeschool students, I think, all over the country, mm-hmm. but she has us out because we're both local here, and it's a great cooperation between us and her to, to come out and, and teach her students with some of the gear and the, and the skills that we have, and man, we sure have a lot of fun doing it, um, and today in particular, we were actually out today, um, we just got back, and we want to. We have to share this because we're so passionate about it. But these kids were so attentive and so ready to learn. I mean, they were in a big circle, and you were going to show them knots. Knots is a really, really important skill that translates throughout life in so many different things. But they have to learn a couple different knots to be able to do these simple survival shelters that we're teaching them. And, I mean, you had a piece of string in your hand, you knelt down on one knee and you said, all right, guys, come on. And I mean, all 30 of them were as close as they could get to you and head poking in so they could watch you tie this knot. There was no like, no, I'm hungry. No, I'm cold. I mean, they were ready to watch you put a knot in a string. And it was so cool to see. Yeah, I love it when not only kids, but adults, when, when people want to learn, when they're excited to learn, when they're there, humble, ready willing to learn it man that makes everything so much easier and better and more fun in my in my experience but they were they were ready to learn um and that's exactly what we did we taught them a knot i think the first knot we taught them was taut line such right. important um there's three knots in particular that i love for shelters one of the three is a taut line and the reason you and i shared this one usually the most is because i feel it's the easiest knot to learn and brian we were teaching what what were ages today Oh my goodness! I think we we had uh, teenagers, thirteen, fourteen years old, all the way down to four year olds. Yeah, so four year olds all the way between. up to adults, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the whole spectrum, and and almost everybody was able to learn the tot line. And so, tot line's not my favorite knot. It's not the best knot to use in every situation, but for this style, learning, especially the mobility of these kids and their hands and and tying these knots, um, it's one that works well for us, and that's why we teach it. Right. You know, before we really jump into the specifics of how we teach these programs, this is a, it's probably not quite as popular as our survival fire, but this is a, this shelter program is very, very popular. We teach it a lot, um, and it is something that we've, one of the first ones we really added to to our menu was this this shelter program. Why do we think it's so important? Why do we teach shelters? passion that I have for shelters comes from my past experiences of camping, um, whether that be what we call modern in a tent or primitive in a debris hut that we make using right. leaves and sticks. So me going out and doing it, taking groups out and doing it, seeing the impact. But there was one trip in particular that sticks out to me the most. And it was, there was an evening in Missouri that the temperatures dropped quickly, quickly enough that we actually had snow in the middle of the night. Who's we? Were you just out with family? or No, I, I had a group of kids. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if we've shared this one before in the podcast or not. I don't, I'm not sure. But um, it was actually as a survival skills. It was a primitive skills trip is what it was. And I had um, 13-year-old boys. I believe I had 
10, I think it was 10, 13 year olds. My memories, I'm, I'm losing some of it, but uh, we went out, we made individual debris huts and every young man had to stay the night in their debris hut. And it got cold. And like I said, temps dropped. Um, you know, the day started out kind of like normal Missouri where it's like a 45-degree day. Some people wear shorts thinking shorts and a sweatshirt, you know. Was and this fall or winter? What time of year was it? If I remember correctly, it was around November. Mm, okay. And cool. so, you know, it, here in Missouri, that's that's our fall. But, man, there's some weeks that it's deep winter for a week. Well, yeah, you know? it's, it's November right now, and we had snow a few days ago. Right, 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 right. And this has been back around like 2015 so so several years ago but me and the boys were out that night definitely a challenging night but when we woke up the next morning we woke up to snow i remember that the snow insulated our shelters and and man the kids were warm you know it was rewarding for them they found purpose like they're capable they're they're able to accomplish a lot and and it was an awesome evening but later that day i found out that that night um this was here in missouri that a Retired veteran, let's say a veteran, um, and his two sons actually died, died while hiking in some Missouri trails. And when I looked up this spot, it was basically as little under 100 miles as a crow flies from my exact location. So they were getting the same weather system. That, the that exact same weather system came through yeah. for them as it did for us, and, and they didn't make it. They didn't make it. Basically, um, there's a story you can definitely look up. I, I feel for the family. It's it's very heartbreaking. Incredibly tragic. It's very tragic. Um, but this gentleman and his two sons basically died of hypothermia. Um, I believe the story went that they, uh, the two boys were found the next morning. They lifelighted them to the hospital, and they passed away there. Man. The only tough. one living was the dog. The dog made it, you know. And, yeah. and if, if me and these boys in these debris huts, these things we just found, sticks and leaves, and, and we had sleeping bags. For sure, I had sleeping bags, and and that helps the insulation part of that side. But if if we're able to go make these and and live through the night, like, and there are some people that may get lost or maybe even crazier, you know, the plane crash, the car crash, whatever the the situation that may arise that that keeps them from trying to get back home. Like, if we were able to do that, I feel like so many more people can, and they just they need that information, yeah. they need to know it, and that's why I'm so passionate about teaching shelters and the importance of shelters and and you're not trying to raise yourself above these these people and in, in any way it's it's really your your heartbreak and saying oh my goodness i was fortunate enough that somebody passed this skill on to me mm-hmm. i wish they would have had it too yeah. and that's part of the reason we're so passionate um about sharing it and most people are going to go through their whole life and never be in a situation where they need to build a survival shelter but you can't plan for it the only way to actually plan for it is is to practice it and to, and to gain the skill. And so that's why we add it. That's why we teach it. Not to mention on the lighter side, it's it's really fun. And kids yeah, fun. kids like yeah. to go home and 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 uh, practice it at home. Parents like to take it home and show it to their kids and set it up in backyards when, with their kids when we teach this to adults. Um, so it, it is a great program and it's a very useful program. It is literally a program that can save your life. Mm-hmm. It literally is. It really is. That's, yep. but that's why we're. That's why I'm passionate about it. And and people make mistakes. I made mistakes, and and you can definitely do that in the middle of the night as you get lost, turned around, cold, whatever it is. And so before even worrying about how do I make a shelter, plan on taking what you need with you. Right. You know, and that's in a podcast before I talked about how ego kind of kills people. A lot of that's because they don't want to pack. They don't want to take a pack. Pack. They don't want to take anything with them. This minimal mindset sometimes and. 
and take what you need. Take a tent, take a tarp, take the right clothing, take those items out with you. And if those fail, now you can lean on the skills that you've been learning. You know, right. what are some backup shelters what I can use? How can I turn to primitive skills? How can I turn to what I find around me and, and use it to get me through the night? Yep. And before we get too removed from it, before we get into anything else, so I don't want to lose listeners' attention with their mind spinning of, of questions of things we've already talked about, mentioned debris hut several times. Let, let's elaborate on, on what that is so that, that your whole story makes a, a full circle uh, round of sense to them. Yeah, basically a debris hut is literally taking sticks and leaves and putting them on top of you. Mm-hmm. That I mean, that's the basic core of what it is. Now, you definitely want more room. You want this to be functional, so there are steps. Um, something Brian and I teach to help people understand the steps of that debris hut is you want a, a spine, something that's long, a stick, you know, a limb, something longer than you. That becomes basically your ridge line, your what everything's going to lay on. Mm-hmm. Then on the sides, we call them the ribs. And you're basically going to place smaller sticks, debris, any kind, along the side. And you're really building up this triangle-shaped shelter to where you can begin to right. pile as much leaves and vegetation that you have around you on the top to insulate yeah, you. The best way is for your spine, your big long stick, is to find a, a forked tree yep. and lay that spine in, into the fork. And then perpendicular to that, lay all your ribs up and down it and, and leave an opening at the base of the tree where you can crawl in when you're done. But yeah, I mean, you, you really can, have to cover it. Right, you can tie your spine to a tree that you find, whether it be cordage you made if you're getting into the primitive side or your shoelace or paracord, whatever that may be. But in regards to time and, and sometimes whether you have cordage or not, if you find a V, it's, it works pretty well, you know, being a tree. But that's what a debris hut is. It's basically just a, you're literally using the debris, dead and down, everything around you basically, Um to keep you warm and dry through the night. You can get into to where you the bushcraft side where you're taking tools and you're cutting down, you know, boughs, limbs, um, like cedar limbs that's got the, the needles and really starting to layer those up on top of your shelter to provide more um, more wind blocking, so insulation and to keep you drier. But at the end of the day we're using debris. Right. Yeah, just or organic material that you can pick up out of the woods. Right. Um you know, we talk every every time we have a survival program or we do a podcast about a survival topic. We always we always touch on the core four. Um, so let's let's kind of talk about where shelters falls under that core four because really that's really stresses and drives home the importance of the shelter program. So where do shelters fall into food, fire, shelter, water? So when you're teaching survival, we have discussed this. When you go in the outdoors, you have to prioritize what you need. We have to prioritize what's called the core four. So we talk about shelter, fire, water, and food. And you, your body, who you are, where you're at in your scenario, you may need one of those items more than other depending on the situation. So you have to prioritize. Which one do I need now? We've talked about the rules of three before. When we talk about rules of three, you know, the average person can go three weeks without food, three days without water, and they say three hours in inclement weather without shelter. So... That kind of helps you to prioritize, what do I need right now? Majority of the time, we need shelter. That's our number one priority. But because we do have amazing clothing today, and most people do dress correctly when they go out, water may be that priority. But for today, today what we're talking about is the importance of shelter because now that we're in the winter months, as 
rain turns to snow um, as it then begins to melt and we get this sleet and this freezing rain and, and all of these types of inclement weather, we have to be careful. And that's why shelter would be our first priority for this scenario for this time of year. Yeah, you really you really have to prevent losing your, your body heat. You don't want your body temperature to drop because things can change and get bad so fast. Um, even before you die, you lose your ability to, to think and make decisions and the dexterity in your hands. So preserving your body heat with, with proper shelter in inclement weather is so important, and it's important very, very quick because three hours is, is not a lot of time, especially if you're talking about something like a debris hut. It takes three to four hours for a person to build one. Yep. So it really needs to be at the top of your list. But just like we teach in this program, the very, very, very first line of shelter, and you mentioned planning on bringing what you need, you take care of that before you ever leave the house. Yep. And Unless you're a nudist and you leave the house without clothes Less. because your very first line of shelter is your clothing. Right. And we just did some podcasts um, in our previous couple episodes about how to dress and, and what some good outdoor clothing is to help keep you warm and dry. Um, but your clothing is your first line of shelter. It's not your house because you leave your house. It's not your car because you get out of your car. But you're always going to have clothes on in all those spots. So proper clothing, proper planning in your clothing is the best step you can take in, in, in having warm, safe shelter. Yeah. You know, to parallel this with animals, we see that, that animals... Man, they've got a lot of fur if they're mammals, scales if they're fish, right? They they have these body-covering protections, so do we, but we have to take it a step further. And we also see a lot of animals have what we're going today call homes, a.k.a. shelters. You know, mm-hmm. a squirrel has an amazing body of fur that's going to keep them warm all winter, but they are still going to hide in a tree to keep warm and to make it through. Right. And we have to do the same mm-hmm. thing. That's what we have to do, so... Our bodies aren't covered in fur or hair head to toe, but yet we've smart enough and have engineered awesome clothing. But from the clothing, there is a time when you're going to have to move into a shelter to continue your protection. And so that's what I want to start with first is what the definition of shelter is. Because growing up, we've always had shelters. What is a shelter? We use words like home, house, um Tent, camper, tent, Arthur, camper. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all these words, you know, like uh, treehouse. Is that a shelter? But a shelter, by definition, is a place giving temporary protection from bad weather or danger. Temporary, huh? Temporary. That's an interesting word to throw in there, because then when you start thinking about your home, you know, you think of your home as your shelter. And I guess technically it's temporary. It's not going to be there forever. But when I think temporary, I think really short term, like day two day not not a long dwelling well that's the noun the verb is protect or shield from something harmful especially bad weather right so when you're talking about your house or your home we could definitely get in the verb side that's why you stay in there perhaps mm-hmm. we do say that we live in our homes but we aren't we usually don't stay in our homes 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year unless you do a podcast out of your basement even you and I are still busy, man. <laughs> you know, we, I mean, we just got back from a program, right? So you yeah. left the house. Yeah. Good thing you weren't naked. Good thing you were dressed because it was cold today. It'd have been painful. It would have been. Mm-hmm. Bottom of your feet would have hurt bad. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. So <laughs> shelters are important to us because we need protection from, well, A through Z. And that's when we're, you know, we identify weather. 
definitely got to protect from weather. But shelter does more for us than just the weather. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also psychological. So you can hear many people's stories in regards to living in primitive shelters in the wilderness. The ones that are making these shelters where there are lions and tigers and bears, there is this fear that that they may hear these noises. They may be the actual noises of those animals. But getting into a shelter up in a tree, down the ground where they've taken thorns and wrapped, I mean, you're you're guarding your your body, you're protecting yourself by using this shelter. Yeah. Sometimes it's it's just psychological. Like this animal can still get through, but it still helps you because it, in your mind it's giving you protection. And then there's real protection, right? We build homes today to protect us. Right. Bears, animals, things that could be dangerous. For the most part, our homes are built to keep them out. Yeah, two two examples of what you're talking about that really come to mind. Uh, first would be the show alone. So, you know, they go to these places to survive, and they almost are always put into places where there are grizzly bears, black bears. The last couple of seasons have been where there are polar bears, which is like one of the only things in the world that actually actively hunts humans. So there was fear, and these people were you. You knew there was fear and awareness there because these people were talking about it all the time in every interview from day one. So some of them, that was actually their their demise because they were building too much of a shelter. They were spending time cutting too big of logs, too long of logs, um, and it completely depleted them physically because they didn't have the food that they needed because they wanted that psychological security of you know what a polar bear probably can't come through this. But in all actuality, if you are out by yourself in the wilderness, cabin or not, if a polar bear wants to hunt and kill you, it's probably going to hunt and kill you. If it really wants to, it will. Yeah. Yeah. So they're looking for this this psychological security is what it is. And the other side of that, kind of a little more lighthearted, fun story, and I think we've told this on an episode before, but I'm going to share it again. Um, you You and I took our sons out on a short little backpacking trip to just have some some man time. Uh, My son was three at the time on this particular trip that I'm talking about. Um, And we were working through, even at home, uh, needing a nightlight in a room, going out to close the chickens at night, afraid of the dark, even though we're right up against the house. We were working through that. So that was my my biggest worry for him was, we are going to be out in the wilderness. What's this going to be like? And you know what? The fear was there, but as long as he was with you or I, he did really well. But he was uneasy the whole time, and he didn't want to stray from us. He didn't even want to sit in his own seat. He needed to be on our lap. But the second we walked 20 feet and crawled in our tent with a, how many millimeter thick do you think a tent wall is? <laughs> 10 maybe or less, yeah. you know? Yeah. As soon as we crawled in that and zipped it shut, boy, he came to life. He was all over the place jumping all around because we were in a shelter, even though he really had no more protection from anything that wanted to get him than he did outside that shelter yeah technically he's more blind now right he's completely blind to what's out there instead of being able to pay attention to what's out there but yeah just that psychological side of Mm -hmm. i'm inside something now i'm good right Uh, so it it does that for us whether we're actively thinking that or not it feels good to crawl into something and have feel like i'm protected you can let your guard down right and i think that's what our houses and homes today allow us to do they let our guard down enough that we can nap and we can go to sleep Mm mm-hmm if we didn't have to sleep as humans, I don't really know why we would need a home with with the honestly with from the vehicles to the clothing we have today, 
we would be hanging out, running around, driving. Like our homes today allow us to set down and to really check out, like turn that guard off. Interesting thing to even consider. Yeah, if we didn't need sleep, would we even need to? Wow. Because even in a survival situation, uh, when the light goes out, what can you do? You can't see anything. You can't do anything. A lot of times, people just go hit the hay at that point. You know, yeah, and time to crash out. How many hundreds of storms that I've just snoozed right oh, through? Yeah, what a what a blessing that is to right. be in a shelter. Not only that's protecting you from it, but you have so much confidence about that shelter that you could saw logs while the booming and lightning and everything is going on just really a few feet away from you. But you believe in your shelter so much, you're gonna go to sleep. What what a blessing that is really awesome and and you know actually when a big storm is coming or it's really cold and nasty yeah that's something i I pray with my kids about it not as you know thank thank you for our our warm safe shelter that we get to to lay down in and 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 pray and and have a good night's rest because i wouldn't want to be out in it you wouldn't sleep if you were i have been out and slept many nights um when there's storms around i've been responsible of camps when thunderstorms popped up and um it's a feeling that I am so glad I don't have to to work through and push through and, and battle with right. currently um, because it is, it is just such a responsibility to ensure that everyone is safe whenever you're trying to provide an, an outdoor safe trip, giving them the experience, but then being responsible of if it really does get bad, we've got to get out of here. We've got to go. You right. know, that's tough. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, let's kind of walk through some of the things that we teach in this program and how we actually teach it. Um, you know, maybe maybe there's somebody listening to us that's considering us having us out to teach a shelters program, or let's say somebody's 2,000 miles away and, and we want to share this information with them so they can teach the people around them. Let's kind of walk through why we teach it and, and the things that people can actually apply to their life uh, to be better prepared. Yeah, now that you know why we teach it, um, it's our passion. We know that... It can save lives. It's fun. And it's also, man, for the kids, the adults, the, the people that are learning this skill, it gives them a sense of confidence um, and kind of a, a joy knowing that they can take care of themselves when they need to. Right. Absolutely. So, so the first thing we always teach is the importance, you know, three hours in inclement weather. Um, and then we teach about the clothes and, and what good clothing is and why we have to have good clothes. But then you 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 kind of it's a fun little moment because you're kind of funny with it. But it is a practical thing that can save your life and it's very cheap. It's very small. It's very lightweight. It's something big people can put in a purse, a backpack, in their pocket, in their car, wherever they're at, just to always kind of have a fail safe of I have a shelter. Uh, what is that that you share with people? We teach trash bag. I take a step further, and I and I always say a fifty-five gallon trash bag. Right, the big, yeah. big. They're usually black, but they're they're huge. I mean, even yep. you put it over. You know, I'm over six feet. You put it over me. It's down below my knees. So right. they're big, big trash bags. Right, and and because it's wide enough, you could kneel down, you could squat down, and that trash bag would completely go over your your body, and and that's why fifty-five gallons are great. We teach that two reasons. One. Helping people understand, yeah, it's so lightweight, so easy to carry in your backpack, in your pocket. It could save your life if you got lost out, like we talked about earlier. But also you can turn it into a poncho. Mm-hmm. Real quick, just poncho, something that, that if you want to go out and play, um, go out and just do some outdoor activities and you forgot your raincoat, Yeah, you got a poncho that allows you to stay dry. 
And while you're using it as a poncho, it's protecting you from those two things we always talk about that are trying to steal you your heat and give you hypothermia. It's protecting you, it's blocking wind, and it is blocking the water. And that's it's an impermeable plastic layer you're putting over yourself, and that is a huge step in, in toward having a shelter, a life-saving shelter, or even comfort if you're just outside playing and, and need to throw a trash bag over to keep yourself dry. Yeah. You know, people that have... Um, struggled making it through the night. Some people that didn't make it through the night because of that inclement weather, you know, they started off by wearing light jackets. Sometimes, or maybe it's just like fleece pullovers and sweaters and, and cotton sweatshirts, you know. The insulating layer that you're wearing is great, but if the wind is stealing all of your heat, if the water, if the rain, if it's raining on you and it's rapidly cooling your body temp, it doesn't matter how thick and how awesome your insulating layer is. You've got to stay dry. You've got to, to get out. And that's why the first thing we teach is the trash bag. From there, we get into well, what else is man-made. Mm-hmm. You know, we have taught, we teach kindergartners how to put up tents from beginning to end, how to, how to set them up, how to use them, and then how to put them down. And then for most of our groups, when we took, teach survival shelters on the modern side, we are teaching what we call tube tarp shelters. Yeah. Another name body bag which was something i just learned the other day that some survival um oh i saw it on social media some survival channels or survival pages were calling this particular type of tarp shelter a body bag tarp shelter yeah and so however you want to find it um basically a triangle shelter an a-frame shelter um that has a floor on it and that's what we teach we teach that because you and i have camped in them well i i personally use this more than a tent Mm mm-hmm the reason I use this more than, uh, than a tent is because, to be honest with most people listening, I don't even really ever use. I love to sleep right on the ground without anything over me. Right. So literally a sleeping bag on the ground. And why I set this shelter up is if for some reason in the night it was to rain, you've got dew, fog, if I knew I was going to get wet, I have somewhere to go to stay dry. Mm-hmm. But I love to just sleep right under the stars when it's safe, and I'm able to do that. And through my fall and winter months, I usually can. Early spring, I usually can. Right. Yeah. When it gets to summer months, we're getting into a tent, something that's got complete 360 protection like a bug net to keep our ticks, mosquitoes, all those things away. So yes. when we go in, we teach this survival shelter um, this is something that can save your life because it can keep you warm and it can keep you dry. Yeah, I think a, a, a trip towards the end of this last summer, you tried to sleep on the ground thing before we had some freezes, and I don't think the mosquitoes let you get much sleep that night. They didn't. I was actually trying a um, – I had a new type of tarp. Um, I, can't, I forget what the material is. Basically, it's polyester. It's a real yeah. different kind of tarp, and I wanted to see if I could pull it off, and it didn't work well at all. So I was like, you know what? scrap it so i slept on the ground but the mosquitoes annihilated me yeah got me good well i slept in a hammock with i actually did kind of like the tube tarp but i I did my tarp over the top of my hammock Uh because see i like the raccoons to go under me instead (laughs) of over the top of me like you like i like to cuddle with them (laughs) keep me warm yeah i i choose to be again psychological the little sense of security of just being a few feet off the ground gives me some some more comfort and i can sleep better than just literally laying on the ground where anything can walk up and if a yeti were to come up and pick me up and take me home with him he could you know <laughs> put me in put me in a hammock give me some oh, sense mercy. of security yeah. for sure 
I don't know. That's yeah. I love to sleep on on the ground. But um, so how do we teach that? So how do we teach? Yeah, there's some skills you have to have to. We could show you a picture of it, and you could probably get close and put it kind of together. But there are some skills that you need to have to really build a good tube tarp shelter. So to start off with, we teach two knots for sure. One knot most of the time. Two. I don't care what knots you use. Whatever knots that you use need to allow you to have a ridge line, which is we use paracord. You can use any kind of rope you had found around you. We love paracord the most. You have to make a ridge line by attaching your paracord to two anchor points. We call it two trees. And the two trees that you find need to be long enough, wide enough for your tarp that you plan to sleep in to go in between them. Right. So we teach two knots. The knots that we teach that we prefer, we teach the bowling. It's our anchor knot. That's where we're going to tie first. And then we come around to our second anchor point, and that's where we use a taut line. Now, adults, instead of using a taut line, check out the trucker's hitch. It is a, a trucker's hitch with a bowling is is amazing. So learn that, check that out, use that. But yeah. we teach the knots if you're first. Gonna, if you're going to use the combo... We use the bowling knot because it is a solid anchor. It's not ever going to come on tide. You can pull it as tight as you want. It is going to stay. I mean, your rope will break before you break that knot. However, when you're done, it is so easy to untie. It doesn't actually cinch down on itself, so you can just flip it over and with the press of a thumb untie that thing. But your second knot needs to be some kind of knot that can help you pull tension mm-hmm. into your ridge line between the two anchor points. And it, the the taut line does work, and it is a little bit easier to tie. But that trucker's hitch, that bowline knot better be tied to a big tree because if you pull that sucker tight, you'll pull a tree over. Yeah, I mean, you could... You could get it just as tight or tighter than a ratchet strap if you're using it to lash things down. I mean, because it basically is a pulley system. Yeah. I mean, it really is. But um, we teach the knots first. Mm Got to know the knots. After everyone starts to feel comfortable with tying the knots, um, that's when we actually show them how to make it. So um, the steps of making this is, like I said, find your two anchor points. Yeah. I was going to say, where do we do this? Anchor points can literally be wherever you want them to be. Where you and I teach it is in the wilderness. We We try to go out. Show them how to do it in a real situation, right? You know, but if you want to do this in your backyard and, and your two fence posts, you know, if you got a, that's yeah, if you got a privacy and privacy fence in your backyard, you could find two points on that, um, two parts on a pickup truck, two trees, whatever two anchor points you want. Remember, they have to be longer, wider than the tarp you're using. Right. You and I, I use a, an eight by ten tarp. I think yours is a nine by twelve. Correct. Um, your tarp needs to be longer than you. I'd say by a couple feet makes it a lot more nice. So get your tarp that's longer than you. Find two anchor points longer than your tarp, and you're going to tie your bowline on one anchor, tie your trucker's hitch or your tot line on your second, and then this is when you're going to have to prepare your tarp. You have to prepare your tarp. Once you do this to your tarp the first time, you don't have to keep doing it, which is really nice. Right. So when you buy a let's let's use Brian, let's use mine eight by ten. So I have an eight by ten tarp. When you buy a high-quality tarp, the grommets usually come equal. They usually come correct. And what I mean by this is when you look at your 8-foot side, you're going to have four grommets. When you look at your 10-foot side, you're going to have five. And on your 10-foot side with your five grommets, you want to find the third grommet. What's a grommet? Those are the black or gold circles that that's yep. the holes in the tarp. That allows you to tie off or bungee to your tarp. Yeah, the rings they put on the very edge so that you can yeah tie it down, stake it down, whatever. So once you find your third grommet on the 10-foot side, 
that is going to be the middle, and that is what lays on your ridge line. Mm-hmm. Then you can find grommets two and four. How high do we put that ridge line? Knee, your ridge head. line, you know, find your waist. Um, you're going to, the more you practice this and the more you actually camp in them, you're going to learn how high you like it. And it also depends the lay of the land. Right. We teach people to tie it at their waist because that's going to give them a pitch that's roughly at 45 and allows them to maybe set up in their shelter. Um, but you can make it higher. You can make it a lot lower. It really depends on how you're using it. Are you going to be working in it? Or are you literally just crawling in and crashing, right? So what's your plan? But about about waist high is how high you want your ridge line off of the ground. Now that you have um, your knots tied, you have a ridge line, you have your tarp over it, you found your third grommet, and it's in the middle. Your grommet's two and four. You're going to tie some paracord to it maybe a foot piece, make some loops in it. And this is where you're going to secure your tarp using tent stakes into the ground. We carry four tent stakes. We also teach you don't have to use stakes. You could use sticks you find, rocks, aluminum tent stakes. They're a dollar a piece at Walmart. It's a really great investment to throw into your kit. Mm -hmm. They're lightweight and it's so much easier to put those in the ground than trying to find sticks or rocks even out in the wild. Once you attach two and four, into the ground you're also going to then attach six and eight six and eight is going to have paracord on them too that you tie and you're going to attach your stakes and push them into the ground and that's what's going to start giving you your 45 degree angle pitch the pitch of your your tent your tarp and you want it roughly around 45 degrees and then what leaves you left by that design by folding it in at two and four then grommets one and five are actually still flaps kind of like wings on a bird, and you're going to have to tuck those underneath your A-frame shelter on your tarp. And that's what really makes it a body bag. It's what makes it a tube tarp. It's going to be fully wrapped around you. You have a floor. Why is that so important? Because there are tons and tons of tarp shelter designs, but this is one of the very few that actually have a floor to it. And, And why is that so important? I love floors. Two reasons. One, we have to separate our bodies from the ground. Um, will a tarp be enough it can be it's not the best you always want to add more of a layer you want to take a sleeping pad you want to find a bunch of leaves you want to cut cedar boughs limbs off get some thick stuff you want to have a barrier between you and the ground and if all you have is the bottom of a tarp then great you can also find all that stuff i'm telling you about put the tarp on top of it and then now you have even a better barrier because the tarp is going to keep you dry so it's underneath you. It's giving you a barrier to keep you dry off of the ground. If it rains, and even if it doesn't rain, right now, if it's dry outside and you go lay down on it by next morning, there's going to be... Uh, yeah, we have frost every morning now. We have frost every morning, but even in the summertime, you're still going to have Dude. moisture. Yeah, That's what I'm trying to think of the word right. moisture. There's just moisture all the time in the ground. And so that's why we love that. Um, second is... Man, it gives you a more sense of security. You know, you're completely wrapped in. So it does keep more critters and, and insects and stuff out because it's completely wrapped around you. Right. Yep. Yeah. And, and there's other things to think about too. You know, how you orient your shelter. Um, where's the prevailing wind for the season that you are? You know, for us this time of year when it's cold, most of our, our storms that are going to kick up is going to have uh, a northerly wind to it. So you don't want to face the opening uh, toward the north. But also, with this type of shelter, if you are in there and it does kick up a storm or maybe it's it's spitting rain or whatever, you can un- reach out, pull out those tent stakes and kind of wrap 
the end in, and and now you have even more protection from the wind and the rain because you've kind of enclosed that end in. Yeah, it is that simple. Yeah. It's that easy to use. It's like and, wrapping up the end of a burrito. Right, and and when you're wrapping up, uh, not the ends, but when you're folding in your bottoms, you do want to ensure that your the bottom flap that is actually touching the ground is on your high side. It's on the side that the rain could be coming from because you want the rain to go underneath your shelter, not into it. And mm-hmm. so practice that. Fold those fold those flaps in, see which one lays on top, and you want the one that's on the bottom to be the one on the uphill side. Yeah. That's key. Some some cool some other cool points I don't want to leave out about this the shelter is it is incredibly affordable. You can get it all at your local Walmart. Go to the sporting goods aisle. Um, actually Really good tip, Ben, that you shared with me. When you're buying paracord, go back to the hardware section, mm-hmm. and you can buy the same amount of paracord for a few dollars less. Yeah. And it's, it's the same thing. So in Walmart, they have paracord in the hardware and in the camping section. Correct. Same amount of feet, same paracord. I think it's a different brand, but it's cheaper in the hardware section than it is in camping, and it's the same thing. Yeah, we use a lot of paracord. So we do. <laughs> yeah. We use a lot, uh, yeah. thousands of feet. So that's good to have back there. And and we leave, um, when we're making these kits, we leave that paracord about 50 feet long because you never know. There is a minimum. It needs to be as long as your tarp so your tarp shelter can fit in between it. But it doesn't matter how far apart they are. They could be 200 feet as long as you have enough cordage to go between them and then you could put your tarp wherever you wanted, usually someplace somewhat flat and, and not rocky. Um, but they're affordable. You're buying paracord, you're buying a tarp, and you're buying tent stakes. And I think when we first started putting these kits together, we could do it for about $20. Now, with the price of everything, it's probably going to cost you more like $30 or $35. But still, even if you just wanted to practice it in your backyard and just have fun with it with your kids or, or practicing it as a skill for a kit, these are great kits to keep in your car. These are great kits to take backpacking. Um, maybe keep one in your office if if something were to happen and you had to, it's just a great kit to have a couple around because it's not a whole tent. It doesn't cost $200, but it will save your life and keep you even a little bit comfortable. Yeah. You can also use this. Um, we haven't taught this in any of our classes, but I take it as a guide. Um, we just call them rain flies. So cook flies, basically something that you can put up at, at about six feet high and have mm-hmm. this tarp over your head as a shelter and so you're basically setting up the exact same shelter by running a ridge line at about seven, maybe seven feet high. Right. And then throwing this tarp over it and staking it out using other paracord or finding four to five feet tall sticks and putting them in the grommets and angling them out to bump it out. So you can use tarps for all different styles and shapes of shelters. Um, once you have paracord and a tarp, I mean, the, the sky's the limit. Like at the end of the day, if all you have is a tarp, that's all you need. You can literally wrap up in it, and it'll get you through the night. Yeah, wrap up in it. You know, it doesn't have to be fancy. Yep, that's that, that's a, a great tip for sure. Um, we always end with a little fun on these programs because we we talk about these uh, these modern survival shelters, as we'll call them, with the the tarp and the paracord and the stakes, um, and we usually break groups up depending on the size of group. Pairs, partners, if it's a small group, we let everybody do their own because one person can put this up by themselves and tear it down. Uh, but with kids, we usually like to group them together, two, three, four in a group. They go work as a team, build their shelter. Man, seeing the pride and joy they have when they get to crawl in that thing. And I really like when it's a little cold outside because when they crawl in it, two or three, four of them at a time, and these are big enough, you know, 
four kids can fit in one, especially sitting up. Sometimes if we have time, they'll sit in there and they'll eat their lunch, which is so fun to watch how much they love. It's just a tarp and a string, and they love it so much. Um, But man, some of the pictures I take of them, and and I look after they've set it up, just the pride and joy on their face that they they can care for themselves. They built this shelter. It's really cool to see. It is. It's also, it's usually one to two in the group can tie the knots, uh-huh. have, have got it really figured out, feel confident. And sometimes the other ones, they don't yet. And so it's right. really awesome to pair them up and it gives a sense of responsibility and roles to, to different ones. You know, when uh, the last group we taught, we asked them the question, leaving them with debrief. We asked them that question of um, how did you serve the group? What's something that you did? And I never even thought that this would be something they thought of as serving the group, but they talked about folding the tarp underneath. You know, we talked about which one to put first, but you have the flaps folding those under to, to, to keep that barrier on the ground. That was how a lot of them said they served the group. That's something, that is what they did. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, to me, I'm like, that ain't, to them, that's something. They they yeah. realized that's a part of the process and they were able to do it and they did it successfully, so. I was proud of him. Yeah, it gives them some ownership and makes them feel involved. Like like I said, I mean, from four-year-olds all the way up to, to adults, this is, is a useful skill to teach, and they're all able to do it. You know, after we let them check out their shelters, we, we gather them all back up, and we, we put them all together as one big group for this last shelter skill that we're going to teach them, and that's because this last one takes a lot of time, and they actually don't finish it, but we let them take it far enough they could get the general concept. And that's a, a primitive shelter, that debris hut that you were talking about earlier. So we will take them um, into the woods and, and find the spine for the debris shelter and, and find a place to put it up because they've just used knots and a bunch of materials. But we want them to understand you don't have to have all this to, to still survive. Just pick up a stick, lay it in a tree, and then start putting your smaller sticks on his ribs and, and make this triangle-shaped shelter and, and then covered in leaves and they have fun with it we make it fun but where they fall short is how much debris they really need because it takes so much time even when you have 30 kids working together we let them cover it and make it look like a debris hut but the leaves and debris covering the sticks really need to be as thick as your arm is long and they usually make it up to about maybe my wrist maybe (laughs) you know maybe five six inches at the most and it just takes so much time but it is impactful to turn to them and say now look it needs to be like this. Can you imagine if you had to do this by yourself? Mm-hmm. How much blood and sweat and tears and time this would take for you to get that done? And it is impactful to them. But actually, the group the group that we taught last they they wanted once I told them that they were like, well then let us go do it. Like let us go back and finish it. You know. And I was that was kind of up to their their leader and their teacher. But um, I think they they opted for just taking turns crawling in it to check it out rather than actually building building all yeah. that leaf matter on there you know and, and sleeping in one of those again it's it, I, I have slept in it one night without a sleeping bag but when you take your sleeping bag and you slip that down in there um that's a good night's rest man yeah it feels good it smells good it's peaceful it's it's awesome it's nice cozy yeah. cozy little place you know something we haven't talked about in regards to shelter is is what else it protects from and and we've talked a lot in the last few episodes about cold cold weather but you also have the hot side too, the desert climates and shelters are just important there because you truly have to have a barrier from that sun and our clothing does that. But also this tarp shelter can do the exact same thing there because there's different ways to set up your tarp. You need to get out of the sun and a tarp will provide that shade for you. So 
when you're looking at what shelter is, why we need shelter, man, whoever thought of tarps, like whoever the first person was to create a tarp, thank you. And that's my thanks Thanksgiving thanks is <laughs> is for whoever thought of tarps and started uh, developing and creating tarps for us to use because they're so universal. We use them for so many things. Um, it's an awesome, awesome man-made item. Yeah, it really is. Um, yeah, if, if you're uh, if you have students or, or kids or you yourself, learn learn the skill. You know, we're we're gonna we'll put a video up, kind of. Uh, it'll be short, but it'll kind of give you the basics of, of of how to do this shelter. We'll put some pictures. You can look back at some of our past programs, um, but you can you can look online and, and find some other sources on this as well. But before we finish, I really want to consider Ben. Why? What is the point of a shelter? What is the point? Why would you even put one up? If you're lost, you're out in the wilderness, you know it may be a rough night. What's the point? What is your goal? Why would I mean, what is your goal of building the shelter? I mean, the, the reason that I need a shelter is because I am in an environment that is too wet and too windy to keep me alive. Right. So... Um, third, or I guess the second is, is there is no light. So the two things we lose every single second is time and energy. And as soon as that sun goes down, there's not a whole lot you can do through the night. You, you think you can hike and walk and do all these things. Go try it. When it's pitch dark, start walking through the woods. Make sure you keep your hands up in Mm -hmm. front of your face. There's not a whole lot you can get done. So most people are going to stop when it gets dark. Yeah. And that's why you want to have your shelter made and set before it even gets dark. So so that you can be in it, you can crash, be protected, sleep, to delay your decay. If the moon's out enough, and you have a clear path, then get to hiking, get to wherever you want to go. But to answer your question, it depends on the scenario. If you know where you're going, if you have a plan, then get there. Mm -hmm. Why stop? Don't. If you don't know where you're going, if you're waiting for rescue to come because you told your wife... You told your mom, you told your dad, you told your grandpa, you told some family member, some friend where you're going. And then if you weren't coming back to come look for you, now you got to set up shop. Now you got to wait until someone comes to to help you. That's your plan. That's what you did. And a tarp is going to be fast. You're not going to burn a lot of energy. When you get into primitive anything, you're burning a lot of energy. And And it takes a lot of time. Those are two things you may not have. And so... Anything you can take man-made that's modern that you can take with you to speed up those two things, go for it. Do it. Yeah, and and two things I really want to latch on to that you said is that that's if you don't want to die. Uh-huh. That's if you want to delay your decay. And we say delay your decay, and we've said this in other podcasts, but if this is the first time you're listening or maybe you haven't caught every one, we say delay your decay and the survival um, topics because you're going to die mm-hmm. just as I am and just, just as Ben is. Um, so the, these shelters are really important, um, but at the end of the day, no matter what shelter you ever build, it's not going to completely shelter you from death. So even more important than, than these skills, what I want to share with you is the most important thing is that there truly is a, a shelter from death. Um, there, whether you believe it or not, you know, um, our beliefs don't change reality. Um, and the reality is that there is a God and that by following and believing and repenting of the things that you do bad, 
you can completely, he will, he has, and he will completely shelter you from death. When your body dies, your soul and your spirit won't. You'll go live with him forever. Um, and if you don't, it's still going to live forever, but it's going to be um, in a place of death and hell, complete separation from him. And I don't even want to imagine what that's like because we don't know that now because we have his, his Holy Spirit. But I'm a bad person. You're not good. No, I'm not good. You're not good, Ben. And I don't believe there's a good person on this earth. Um, and if there was, then we wouldn't need Jesus Christ. Um, and if you're hearing this and you're thinking, man, I'm a good person, I'd ask you, have you ever told a lie? Because he, he gave us our Ten Commandments. That's his ten. That's his law. It's only ten things. Have you ever told a lie? Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about another person a way you shouldn't think about another person? Have you ever hated another person? Because the Bible says if you have, you've murdered them, and you shall mm-hmm. not murder. Mm-hmm. My point of all that is, is that we have all fallen short. We have all, by his law, if it was an earthly law, we would need to go to jail. Mm-hmm. But he has paid for all of that because his son, Jesus Christ, literally died, hung on a cross, was stabbed, and rolled into a hole in a, at a rock. But he came back to life because he knew that we were going to be bad and we needed, we needed help. We yeah, needed a, a savior. Jesus' last words were, it is finished. It's done. That's crazy. He paid right. the debt of your badness, mm-hmm. and I'm just so thankful for that, um, that I have a shelter that is 100% foolproof. It is foolproof. It will get me through any storm. It will get me through the storm of eternity. I'll, I'll get to go live in, in perfection with him, and I'm just so thankful for that. And I hope that some of you listen to that, believe that, and if you don't, I hope you just just give it some thought. Like, Ben and I love you so much that the thought of anyone, not even just our listeners who we care for so deeply, but the thought of anybody spending eternity in hell away from Jesus and away from the people that they love because there's probably people in your life you love that are going to go to heaven. You can't earn it. You can't make up for the bad things that you've done. All you can do is say, Jesus, I trust you. I love you. I know you walked on this earth. I know that you died for me. And I'm going to change from my ways and I'm going to honor you. I'm going to love you by trying to do good. And I, I just really hope that everybody would consider that today around this holiday season. Look around and be thankful for the things that you have because you would not have any of them uh, without Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean there's not going to be bad in your life. He's not going to give you a million dollars. He's not going to make everything easy. Life will be hard while you are on this earth. It will always be hard, but you will have the hope, and the hope is a promise if you follow Jesus that you won't die. You won't die. You'll live forever in his presence and his glory and in his perfection. Yeah, and that's the last thing I would add is death. We teach survival. We talk about it a lot. We just shared why we need shelter to protect us from danger, right? But death is going to happen to all of us as we shared because the wages of sin is death. That's where it comes from. There is no evolution answer for death. You can't account for death. Why does death even exist? Why is it even here? It's it's very clear because we sinned. That is our Mm-hmm. wage we're being paid death and that's why we had to have a savior come forth to pay for that and he did that's why it is finished on the cross it's finished it's done he's paid for that when your body physical body is no longer here on this earth you can continue to live in him right don't forget that and that's that's what thanksgiving is for me more than anything else yeah. is is that i am so thankful for him 
so thankful for his son and, and thank you for the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I will be so thankful this, this Thanksgiving for uh, the awesome TV I'm watching football on and the entertainment and my family and the cars that got them there and this, these amazing meals and, and the wood burning in the fire stove keeping us warm. And the shelter and that the you're shelter. doing all that I will is. be thankful for all of that. But none of it will even come close to how thankful I am for Jesus Christ. I hope you would consider that this holiday season with your family and friends. That is going to be it for the Shelters episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. We hope that you stay safe and find time to go outdoors between now and the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.